From the Rodney Kieferi Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this special two-part episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Thompson talks to us about some of the life lessons he's learned through his incredible career that spans more than 30 years, how he's learned to work with administration at every level of our profession throughout his career building strength programs, and he'll share some insights into what separates the good from the great no matter the level of competition. All this in a special two-part episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I'm joined by a legend in the field, Coach Ron Thompson. He's currently newly retired strength coach, and which is a rare feat to attain in the strength and conditioning field. But prior to his retirement, he, he was the head strength and conditioning coach and the first strength and conditioning coach at the New, uh, New Mexico Highlands University. In 2014-2019, he's also had stops at Buena Vista University, also the first strength coach there. He was an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Purdue University from 1999 to 2011. He was also at Auburn High School, where he won the NSCA National High School Strength Coach of the Year, 96 to 99. He's also at Boise State University. He was the first strength and conditioning coach there as well, and the NSCA Regional Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year from 1989. And he was at Marshall University also the first strength conditioning coach in there in 1987. And he he also had stops in Northern Colorado, where he's also the first strength conditioning coach there, University of Wyoming. And he was the assistant strength conditioning coach for Southern Methodist University in 1982, which is the only division one unbeaten football team in that year. He's a living legend in our field, also known as the architects, coach Ron Thompson. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I appreciate it and glad to be with you and enjoy talking the whole aspect of the profession and 
Anything else? Yeah, absolutely. And could you tell us, I guess a little bit more about your role. I've never actually talked to a strength coach on our podcast. Who's, you know, you just newly retired, but you know, you're, you're just retired and you've re- always been a strength conditioning coach, your, you know, your whole career. Tell us a little bit more uh, about that. As far as what I did. Yeah. Or just being a, a retired strength coach. Cause you have been oh. in since 1982. So you've probably seen right, colleagues right. and assistants and oh, just yeah. not retire as a strength coach. There's um you know, I've talked to a lot of guys over the years and lately, uh, there's a lot out there that are in the master's program in our profession, our association. And um, they've been in it for, you know, most of them well over 20 years or more. And some are still just getting started. The question a lot of us have is the way the profession is, is how many are going to stay with it? Are they getting in as an intern, GA, moving up and all that type of thing? But money's not there. And that's the hardest thing I find to be um, a real problem. I think that we as a profession need to get with the universities, you know, ADs and presidents, the NC2A for that matter, and just say certification, you know, liability issue. But the pay, have GAs like they used to have GAs. So you went in with money in your hand and paid for your classes and you got your master's degree and you got great experience and then you moved on or you stayed. A lot of that's not happening anymore. It's really bothered me for a number of years that kids in that, they like it, they want to do this, they're all gung-ho. But then after three, four, five years, they're like, man, I'm not making money. I can't find a job. And it's gotten tough. We know that. So that, that, that's one thing that bothers me. Um, the profession itself is, it, it has grown a great deal. Um, there is a tremendous amount of people involved in it and, and doing the right things and pushing each other. So things there have changed a lot. Um, you know, as far as me, um, you know, I, I was just in it from the get go back in, even when I was a GA in college, you know, just, I was a GA for football. I took care of strength. I went to high schools and moved around, moved over to SMU and got that job. And here we go. And, uh, you know, I never thought I'd be on the college level, but things changed back then. I mean, what I've told people is back when I started SMU, there was only 20 strength coaches in this country. Okay. Full time. Mm Mm-hmm. Now people are like, well, now, what do you think? I said, now there might be 20 spots that are open. There's, there's so many, every school now has somebody and uh, utilizes them some way, you know? So definitely. And, you know, when you got started, you know, in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, you were also, uh, you know, a football coach and, and what, about the strength game appealed to you versus becoming a, a position coach? Well, what happened to me was that I, I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, played football, and <clears throat> we didn't have a strength coach. You know, that was in the 70s. And uh, our offensive line coach and our staff was tremendous, and they just worked our ass off, and we went to it. And I always enjoyed it, okay? And as I moved on, and especially went to high school to start my career. You know, you walk in and it's always the strength, uh, the head coach is like, uh, do you want to run the strength program? 
I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. So I'd always take care of it at the high school. And then where I moved on, I did it that way and so on and so forth. Um, so I got my professional interest in doing it that way. And then when I was in Texas coaching high school, doing the same thing, the SMU position came open and I saw over a year or more before that, that this was really moving, moving in the fact there isn't a lot, but there's a lot more people out there getting these jobs around the country. And one of my biggest mentors was Pete Martinelli, who was the University of Oklahoma's head strength coach. Talked to him many, many times and how this is moving and going and thing came open at SMU. And that's, I said, that, that's what I want to get. And I got it and everything kind of just went on from there. Nice. Absolutely. And you were the first strength coach at a lot of, a lot of places. And a lot of them are pretty, some pretty renowned strength conditioning programs now. And, and, and you were the first one there. What is one piece of advice you give to our listeners that are, find themselves in, in a similar position? Cause I know that's how you and I met is initially is I was the first strength coach at MSU Denver. And I had known you had done that before and I'd, ask, you know, your help or your opinion on building a program from scratch. What's some advice you'd give to those coaches? As far as getting into the profession at that time? Yeah. And, and what, you know, what some are some difficult things or things they should look into when they, they're the first strength coach at their school? Well, if they're the first person coming in, you know, hopefully they have the knowledge and not everybody's going to be, you know, with it all the time. And we're always learning something. So they have to go in and understand, like, look at your program. Are you dealing just with football or are you dealing with, you know, three, four, five sports, 10 sports, whatever. And you know how to run that and keep it basically an organization, you know, and, and pushing them in the right direction that they need to go for whatever sport they have. You know, times have changed when I'm, when I'm coaching high school, my first one's in the 70s. I mean, there's all kinds of things you did, but we still do much the same thing. But it was just a little different. Then as you move on year by year, every 10 years, you're trying, okay, I'm going to try this. A lot of new things come out. You talk to people, you get mentored and get all these ideas. And then after a while, it's much the same thing. It's just how you change it that affects what you have there. You know, like, like you're talking about with Metro, I'm doing at Highlands. The kids I wa have walk in that door, they've never been in a weight room. So now it's a whole different ball game as far as how do I handle it. So you got to really understand your situation and what you've got to deal with and, and walk up each and every day with. And, you know, you've got a group here, you got a group there, and each one's a little different. Each team's a little bit different. No, definitely. And you've most likely have had the benefits of dealing with a lot of administration, you know, being in the industries, you know, as the decades that you have done, you know, what is some advice you'd give with, I mean, half of our fight is with either the head coaches or administration, either for more funding or being able to run things a certain way. What's some advice you'd give to how you, how a coach should, handle the administrative side of things? Well, if I'm the guy that's in charge, the head guy, and I've got all these coaches I've got to be working under and for, for their teams, the coaching side 
sports specific, you know, sport coaches. I'm going to say that in the majority of my time, I've had some great coaches, friendly, open. If something goes wrong, they'll let you know. And then you kind of work it out. But other times they're talking to you like, what do you think? How do we handle it? What about this day? In two more days, we got, you know, whatever it may be. That works great. You get a lot of guys, though, especially young assistant football coaches, basketball, whatever. They come out and they want to just set the tone. And the head coach at that point wants to be with them and set the tone. So now it's like coming to you like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? You know, and then you're trying to explain to them the right way to do it for liability, safety, teaching the kids how to do it correctly and, you know, and, and developing them. So you run into some, some hot heads, you know, and I, you know, we, we've all had those, I would think. And I know I have, um, you know, I've had coaches that were, you know, just like, for an example, a baseball coach just felt like we don't need to do much of this anymore. And I'm like, you're talking about the off season, the fall, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he got to the point where it's just like, we ain't going to do anything the next season. And we went through that and it was a terrible season. I don't think they won three or four games, you know, out of 40. And you're like, and then he came back, apologized after that and everything got on board and kept going. Um, Administrators, you can go to them and talk about money issues, equipment, staffing, bringing a GA in. Can we find the GA? How do we handle this? How do we handle that? And they understand, and some of them might move in the right direction and give you a GA, or they might do this or that. Others are like, nah, I just don't see it. I don't see how we can do this and do that. You know, you you, you just got to talk to those ADs because they're just a little higher up and you don't want that to come back on you. But I was always the guy that would step forward and say, look, here's what I think that we really need to do. And it's, you know, sometimes you have to put across, not with all of them, because they they are pretty smart, but some you have to tell them, look, this is to help the program. It's not helping athletics. It's not helping an AD. It's just the fact that we need help and we can use an extra GA or two or whatever it may be. And you try to work with those people to just get that idea across and get something going. So it's just a conversation. Hopefully the conversation is something that they listen to quickly. Um, It may take place in the next six months. It may take place in the next budget year and it may never take place. It's just how they are, but you've got, I just feel like I'm the person I'm going to step forward and step in front and sit down and say, Hey, this is the way I think it should go. It's just like, here's an example, a perfect example Last fall, a year ago fall, at New Mexico Highlands, you know, I'd had numerous, in the six years I was there, I'd had over $30,000 of new bumpers come in and more equipment, reupholstered things, got more dumbbell benches, and and got them to understand that. And we needed it because it was always just raggedy, you know, and I didn't want to have somebody get hurt. So finally, I said, we need more bumpers 
because the older bumpers are getting bad. I need more of them because the kids are getting stronger. I need more of this. I need more of that just to make it more convenient for more people that actually do work in the room. And so at that point, we had an interim AD, which I've had six ADs in six years. So, you know, you talk about talking to ADs. I mean, I talked to people who had no clue, never did a thing. So I talked to this guy and he says, well, we'll have to go to the vice president who is in charge of finance and everything. So I went and took pictures of all the things I wanted corrected and how liability wise in a time that's going to eventually fall apart. Somebody's going to get hurt. So I had this meeting and he says, well, what, what can I do for you? I mean, what do you think? And I said, well, if you can come around with $30,000, I can get newer dumbbell benches. I can get more bumpers and, and replace the old ones and on and on a few things, Re reupholstering stuff and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, ah, I'm not sure of that. You know what I did? I laid my cell phone out and I said, take a look at this. And right there in the right in that meeting, right in front of him, I just flipped through all these pictures of the bumpers and the benches and you know, just everything. There's a there's a bolt missing, there's upholsters just ripped off and you know, crap like that. And I said, You you want to talk about liability, I'll give you liability because it's gonna fall on your lap when somebody does get hurt, and this is gonna be eventual. And you know what? Right away he says, You're right, you're absolutely right. Came around, got all that done. Probably within four or five months, I got all this stuff done. You know, you don't ever want to go that route. But, you know, at a point, I'm like, are you going to not listen to me? You're not even going to hear the story. I'm going to lay it in your lap. <laughs> I'm going to tell you straight up. You like it or not, we never do it. But if you do do it, it's helpful. You know, and I talked about the kids. It's not me. I'm not making this. I'm making it better. But it's for the kids. So those are the different things I've had to do. I think that's, that's some great advice and that's what it comes down to. Unfortunately, hopefully you can get to them before it gets that bad, but Hey, this, you want to provide a safe environment. This is how you're going to do it. Uh, so in, in your time as a strength coach, you've had the privilege of hiring, I'm sure many graduate assistants and assistant coaches and uh, you have quite the tree that, I imagine your branches go very deep into the profession. You know, what I guess is one thing you looked for when you were hiring a GA or an assistant, like what characteristics were you looking for to bring somebody in on your staff? Well, first of all, back in the day when I was doing more actual GA positions, you know, eighties, nineties type thing, you you hire you have the ad for the GAs. People put their ad, you know their their uh, resumes into you. You look them over. You hear from friends who might have them or know about them, and you get all those recommendations. You sit down, and if you're going to have one or two, then you talk to three or four of them and say, "What do you think?" And some already have a GA in the meantime. Some don't. And then you just kind of come up with a person like anything that's going to be the one that you think is going to work well with you, do what they need to do, get their GAs, get their education, and that type of thing. So, you know, it, it, it's a hunting, hunting type of thing where you got to find them and seek them out and bring them in and 
get the info and just, you got to make that choice. I've never had, as far as my sake, people that came in and had a GA and then quickly left because of something else. They, they were there to get a GA in a year or two and then move on from there. So We'll be right back. Woodway is a company that has been designing and building treadmills and equipment for the long run since 1974. Each of their treadmills is designed with a revolutionary slat belt running surface, which is both lightweight and durable. It is specifically designed to absorb energy at the point of impact, eliminating harmful shock to joints and connective tissues. 100% of the NFL, NBA, and MLB teams and 60% of NHL teams utilize Woodway products to optimize their training. Woodway's curved treadmill was released in 2009 and boasts a completely self-powered manual training experience that does not require any electricity. This unique piece of equipment allows athletes to run at any pace they choose and burn up to 30% more calories than the regular treadmill. Other unique offerings from Woodway include the Curve Trainer, Curve XL, Forefront, and Pro Treadmills. Each treadmill offers features that are fit for every athlete. The silent and energy efficient product from Woodway has resulted in 50% electricity savings for owners. If you're looking for equipment that is built to last and will improve and provide each of your athletes an experience like no other, check out Woodway today at woodway.com. And are you kind of a, a sink or swim? Like, hey, welcome to the staff. Like, here's your teams and, and get the hell out of here. Or is it kind of, did you have like a curriculum or how did you well, mold those people? Well, what I would do is I probably wasn't smart enough then to sit down and have a like a guide and, you know, the everything they should do. But I'm going to be there. And when they come in, you're going to help me with football. You're going to do this. You know, I had usually in some places where I had one GA or two GAs, um, I would take football and men's basketball. They all help. And then we divide up who's got whatever. But in the same way, I'm telling them with soccer, with, uh, you know, softball, track and field, whatever, <clears throat> this is what you're going to need to do. And I've given them advice from my experience over the years that here's the best thing. So you are somewhat telling them rather than leaving somebody that may not have a great deal of experience. And then they get out there and now you got the problem with the other sport coach. It's like, what's this person doing? It's, it comes back to you. I don't want that. So it's, it, I'm guiding it, but I'm guiding it in a way that, okay, we get to the point, here's what you're going to do. Then after a certain level, you go, and if it works well, we continue to work well and keep moving forward. Things fall apart or little things need to be tweaked, you tweak it, and that person's got to learn, you know. Uh, that's the way I've always handled it. I wouldn't turn it, turn it over to anybody. Now, you get to a point where you might have somebody for not only one or two, you might even have them for three or four for some reason or another. In those cases, in that second, third, fourth year, maybe, they, they've grown. They've learned. They know your 
you know, routine. They know how you want it done. That's never going to be changed. The discipline, the environment, how, you know, I want things with most sports. I want that done. They learn that. So after a while, it gets to the point where it's almost like, you know, I just kind of watch and I leave because I know it's going to get done the right way, you know? So. Mm, definitely. That's, that's some really good advice for, you know, making sure you help them out every step of the way, but also you're open to adjusting. If you know, some things aren't working, you just adjust and, and, and write the shit. Yeah. Well, it's like you, Isaiah. I mean, if you're interns and as many as you've brought in, it's the same thing. So, you know, for, for us to sit back and say, okay, you've got the job, take it. Their, their experience is down. They're just beginning to learn. And we're all learning every day, every year. But to just take somebody young that came out of what? And now you're going to be charged, okay, you've got go get soccer. And they don't know much about it or they don't have enough confidence yet. There's not, it's not going to go well. That's where we have to really step in and say, this is, this is how it works. You know, even if I stood in the outside of the room and watched, at least I'm watching and, you know, letting it see how it all works out. Definitely. That's some great advice there. And you have been lucky enough to have been just about every level, high school, D1, D2, D3. Is there a difference that you've seen amongst that athlete or are there some commonalities that you see no matter what the athlete is? Well, you know, people have asked me that a lot and there's a little bit more to it. The way I look at it is in a lot of places I've been, I've worked with Olympic gold medalists, silver medalists, bronze medalists, world record holders, um, NC2A champions, individual team. So, you know, whether that's division one or division two or whatever, you see a difference in that person or that team and why they got to where they are because they wouldn't be the Olympic gold medalist, silver medalist, if they don't have that desire and passion to train and do what they need to do to get to that point. Others, D3. I mean, at D3, I'll tell you what, at BVU, I was so impressed with these kids. Not, I mean, there was, there was talent there at times. Wasn't the winningest team in the conference, but yet they tried and they worked hard. And, you know, you had, I felt like you had more kids coming to get done what they needed to do to get better because they're all paying for it. $36,000 a year, not many around doing that. And they're having to pay for it. Their family is. And, uh, you know, it's just different where you're at. Um, again, your coaches that you work with, whatever sport it might be, they've got it rocking and rolling and they've got things going. They're recruiting better, man it makes it easy for me because there isn't going to be a problem because he's, he or she's saying this is it. And then, then I go get it done. You know, if I didn't have much support, how good are we going to be? But it, it, it all comes down to the kid, how well they're raised, how they come in and deal with things, you know, like, like one example I can think of when I was at Boise state, 
uh, I don't, Warner, it might have been in the second or third year I was there. I had this proposition kid back then in the rules. If you're a prop kid, you could come in with academics bad that either you used a year and played and you lost it and you were done after four years or you took it, but you couldn't do anything with the sport. And then you had five years to finish. So I had this DB come in. Coach comes and says, this kid's going to be great, but he's a prop. This is how we're going to have to handle it. We're going to leave him out a year. He can only be with you. Can't be with us. Can't watch practice. Can't do anything. This is old rules. Anyway, he came in. So we talked, and he just kind of stood there and looked at me. I got him into the program and the offseason this fall and all that going. And it's like, uh, you don't like me, do you? And he goes, no, I, I don't like you. I said, well, that's fine with me because you know what? You're working with me for the rest of this year, and this is how we're going to do it. Well, in five years, a kid came to me and made me come to graduation college, got his degree, and he thanked me so much for getting his ass through the whole thing and doing the right thing. So everywhere there's a different person, different level, and the way they come about things. But, uh, yeah, it, it just depends on how hard they want, you know. I mean, if, you, if you've been around a losing program, you're going to have good days, but you're going to have more bad days. It's just the way the nature of the beast and kids come in. And mm, sometimes the coaches, they're not quite yet, you know, they want it to be good, but they're not putting themselves there. So how well do the kids handle it? Now you got to follow it. And it's like, I'm always trying to pump it up. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't, you know. Now that that's, it's a good story. And it's, you know, you, you nailed on the head that it, the difference between those type of players and, and the athletes that stand out is just the type of person they are versus just, you know, the, you know, the level that you're at. How you treat and, them, how you, how mm -hmm. you make them go and understand yep. the reasons. There's, there's a lot of things involved. It ain't just like, well, I have a, a gold medalist, so I'm, I'm a damn good coach. No, I'm a good coach, but that guy's got the talent. And, and all of us coaches put him together and train him to go out and win a gold medal or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and looking back at your time and you, you just retired and you said June, mm -hmm. June yeah. this year. Yeah. What was one of your most memorable moments in your coaching career? Whew. Yeah. You know, that's a tough one. Same thing. I mean, I enjoyed, I enjoyed all the winning, you always want to win. Mm -hmm. Nobody who comes into this be a loser. Um, you know, I feel like I can't say any one thing. There are certain places that might be something that I did that I couldn't do elsewhere that makes it better. Coaches that I've been around for a, quite a while that, you know, for a long time, like Coach Tiller at Purdue, you know, he's since died. But um, – you know, it's how he affects things and how he how he develops his program. When you see these coaches develop things and they become winners, you know, that's that's a good thing. If the athlete, like I said, are Olympic medalists, national champions, team champions, those kind of things, that that's exciting. Because I mean, I'm not sitting there thinking, well, that's my fault. That's all me. No, 
I'm I'm glad to be a part of it, but at the same time, that's still that athlete with some great ability. And then, you know, it's like the kid I talked about at Boise State from San Jose. You know what I got out of that was just the fact that the kid grew up and realized I need to be a better person. Came on and played quite a bit as a DB, got his degree. You know, that that's that's impressive. You know, all those things. Um, here's another example. When I'm at BVU, I'm there, only guy, no, no help. Got all these kids coming in from 6 a.m. on through the day. And uh, after a while, I went to uh, one of the coaches was standing next to me. And I said, let me ask you a question. And this has probably been about three or four months I've been on the job. After every single workout, male or female, individual or team, at the end when I'd break them down, get them done and go on, They'd all stand up and say, thank you very much, coach. Thank you for having us. And thank you every single day. And I asked him, I said, why do they do that? He said, I'll tell you why. You've got, you've got more kids in Iowa that are blue, you know, blue uh, hard workers, blue collar, have two families, two parents most of the time, and they're raised that way. And I'm thinking, wow, that's that's pretty neat. So you, you see it in different ways. See it in a talent and in an individual, or just here's an example of how somebody's been raised and changed their change their system. It, it, it's just different. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, I, I can't do it. I mean, people ask me that, and I'm like, there's a lot of good things. Don't get me wrong, but it's just hard to say what is the best. We'll be back with more of Coach Thompson's interview next week. This episode is brought to you by Play. Play is a company that I've personally been working with from the start. Everyone at Play works to help strength coaches innovate and find solutions for our profession. From flooring, weight room equipment, outdoor spaces, and everything in between, Play will collaborate with you to find what you need. They work with everyone from professional teams to high schools, and they've always made me feel important and a part of the Play family. Refuse second best with Play. Find them at play.us and let them know Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 sent you. This episode is brought to you by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. After dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, the newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings the same trust and quality at a great price. They've worked hard to put convenient nutritional supplement options in the hands of your athletes. Because of the increased demands, ON now offers their third-party tested NSF certified gold standard whey protein powder in 10-pound bags exclusively for their athletics partners. Owen even released ready-to-drink cartons of their gold standard whey protein shakes for your athletes and coaches that are on the go. Colleges and universities across the country have partnered with Owen to give their athletes the highest quality nutritional supplements and Owen continues to deliver. They provide flexibility and affordability for all their partners. If you'd like to learn more about their expanding line of supplement products or if you're interested in becoming a partner, contact Owen's Rachel Kravitz on Instagram at on underscore athletics underscore West 
or email rkravitz at glambia.com. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.